Do you get tired of hearing the same old intros to podcast episodes? Me too. Hi, I'm not Jen. I'm Jessica, and I'm in rural East Panama. Jen has just created a new way for listeners to record the introductions to podcast episodes, and I got to test it out. There's no other resource out there quite like your parenting mojo, which doesn't just tell you about the latest scientific research on parenting and child development, but puts it in context for you as well, so you can decide whether and how to use this new information. If you'd like to get new episodes in your inbox, along with a free infographic on 13 reasons your child isn't listening to you and what to do about each one, sign up at yourparentingmojo.com forward slash subscribe and come over to our free Facebook group to continue the conversation about this episode. You can also thank Jen for this episode by donating to keep the podcast ad-free by going to the page for this or any other episode on yourparentingmojo.com. If you'd like to start a conversation with someone about this episode or know someone who would find it useful, please forward it to them. Over time, you're going to get sick of hearing me read this intro as well, so come and record one yourself. You can read from a script she's provided or have some real fun with it and write your own. Just go to yourparentingmojo.com and click read the intro. I can't wait to hear yours. Hello and welcome to the Your Parenting Mojo podcast. And today we have a guest whose voice you may recognize. We are here with Kelly, who was on the show a number of years ago now in our episode on parental burnout. And she's here today with a big smile on her face, which you can see in the video if you're watching this on YouTube. So uh, things have shifted a little bit in the intervening years, and I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. So welcome, Kelly. It's so great to have you here. Thank you very much. Glad to be back. And where are you? You're sitting outside, almost outside somewhere. Where are you in the world and and who's in your family? Well, I live in the Netherlands. We live in the very, very south in a tiny village in the only, well, pretty much the only hilly part of the country. Lovely area, very rural. And I live with my husband, two kids. My oldest, Isla, is nearly six, she'll be six this summer. And my youngest, Ewan, is two, just turned two. Yeah. Okay. And so we're going to talk a fair bit about learning. And I wonder if you could start by maybe telling us a little bit about what was school like for you? What was learning like for you? I assume you went to school and and went through a traditional path that most of us went through. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In the Netherlands, we don't really have that much choice. Yeah. I went through that regular path in a, like a non-religious school. Like there's a lot of religious schools in the Netherlands, but this was just a like public school. I enjoyed most of it. I felt a bit I was a, uh, what's it called that? A young student where you, like I skipped a class when I, I went to this, so group two, which is like, were you then five? When you were about five, I skipped that year or I went a bit faster. And from that, I was always sort of the youngest one in the group, but I wasn't bullied, but like teased for things that I said or did, or like, I really noticed I was the youngest in the group and, and kind of an odd one out. I did do enjoy it. Like I did, I enjoyed learning. I enjoyed playing with the kids. I had a lot of friends. Secondary school is a bit harder. Okay. Like school-wise, academically, it was okay. I, I did my things. I got fairly good grades, especially when things interested me. I had like really good grades. I'm full in. If I didn't, I... <laughs> Mm, yeah, I couldn't do it. Like history just didn't click for me, for example, except for one year where I had this brilliant teacher. You get the idea. Like that that really made a difference to me. University was great as well. I just really enjoyed it. If I had courses that I enjoyed, some my first attempt at university, I enjoyed other things a lot more. But generally, like I kind of enjoyed school, except that I, like I, I felt kind of out of place sometimes. I don't know if that was because I was the youngest or just different. Later, I learned that I have ADHD, which may have 
played a role in that as well. And especially that interest part, I figured out was a big thing. So, but yeah, I always felt quite okay with learning and like I would find something if, even if the text was boring, I would just find like I would practice my writing to make my writing prettier or something like that, or just cut out the picture in a different way or add some color to the pages. But yeah, I guess it was fairly sort of clever. So I just, I got by enough, like even with not studying, I got by. So. Yeah. And and you were rewarded with grades, I assume, that it sort of kept the whole thing going. Yeah, it's good enough. And rewarded with things like I would find things that I would find fun or just observing those girls in class who were just more obsessed with their makeup and just seeing how they would interact or things that I see now. I wasn't aware of it at the time, but I was doing other things or. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, fi- finding your own entertainment in the class. We, I've just researched an episode on boredom and you were creating autonomy <laughs> <laughs> within an environment in which you didn't have much autonomy. You were finding interest in, in places where you could find it, even if the material wasn't intrinsically interesting. Yeah, absolutely, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And before we go on, I have to ask, you have such a strong Irish accent. I had no idea you were going to tell me you grew up in the Netherlands. (laughs) 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 How did that come about? (laughs) I grew up in the Netherlands. I was born here when I was 18. I moved to Ireland for a year. My dad's Irish. My mum's Dutch. Um, Okay. My dad tried speaking English with me for a while until I was, I think it was about two. I ran onto the road and he said stop and I didn't stop right away and he gave up speaking English with me not realizing that stop is the same in English and Dutch so I'm not really sure where that story goes but that's the point that he gave up (laughs) and uh, he just spoke Dutch to me but I did pick up enough like a lot more and then when I was in Ireland after a few months I said uh, after a year I said I'm going home and you're going home where? (laughs) To the Netherlands? What? (laughs) You're not Irish? uh, Is that like my accent is that truly Irish then? So apparently it was, but then yes. it, yeah. And still it's. Apparently. <laughs> still it's. I hear, I mix. Some people do hear the Dutch and then other people only hear the Irish. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. That would have niggled at me for the whole conversation if, <laughs> if well, I hadn't go. asked. Okay. So, so you went through school and you found interest. You created, essentially, you manufactured interest where, where there wasn't any. And, and that was enough to sort of get you through. What did you study in university? What was interesting to you there? The year that I didn't do very well was applied mathematics. After that, I did find some interest there as well, but those were not academically. Uh, I did have a fantastic year and I learned a lot. It's just not like enough to pass anything there. Then I went to Ireland and I traveled around for a while. And there I found out that I love a lot about like food and nutrition and like how people like just the habits that they have in each cult- in each culture. So I went on to study nutrition and health in the Netherlands, uh, mostly focusing on nutrition, a little bit of psychology around it, lots of like a body stuff. Um, then I went on to do physical activity interventions. And then I went into genetics and epidemiology for a PhD. And when I was totally, that was when I got into the burnout, <laughs> when I got the burnout. And then now I'm in sustainability and in like <laughs> in the energy transition and climate change. So I've kind of changed my uh, path wow. over time. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Okay. And so you mentioned the burnout and you confirmed with me before we turn on the recording that it's okay to, to talk about this with you. And so I wonder if you can draw any uh, sort of any ideas out for us to the extent that you see it between the things that were happening in what you were learning, right? And your experience as you, I mean, you were still in school at that point in very, you know, advanced school and, and what your experience of burnout was like, what led to it and what it was like to be in there. 
yeah, looking back at the time, I wasn't aware of it. But looking back, there was a lot of I just went with like, what does the teacher want for me? That story, like I, I searched for that the whole time. And then the further you get, the harder it is to just find that answer and, and be satisfied with that just like, oh, yes, I got the right answer that the teacher wants. And at some point that is just not interesting enough anymore. It's like not rewarding enough anymore. The ADHD also played a big part in that, that I just didn't understand. And the system just didn't work for me, like the way of learning. It cost me a lot more energy than other people would have had, uh, or at least many. And what was, what was the second bit of the question? How it was during the burnout? Yeah, I'm just curious about the intersection of, of kind of being in school, right? The experience of learning and whether the extent to which that led to burnout or sort of contributed to it or what were the intersections between the learning and the burnout? Yeah, I think it was very closely related to that. I just did what was expected of me over time. I went through school. I did the highest levels everywhere. I just did it without thinking about it. And then I went into a PhD because, hey, I finished an academic studies that were very specific for research. So I thought, well, let's do a PhD. I was asked for a PhD. They wanted me. So I, well, I'll take the job. Let's go. And it just went from there. And I just kept doing what other people expected of me. And I, I just like, as we say in Dutch, I went past myself. I left myself behind somewhere. And that was like during that burnout. And when I, I needed to go back to work, I just realized like I was I was very close to going back to academia actually when I started working again. And then they said, no, we don't want you because you had a burnout here before. And that was the moment where I realized that, oh, this is not my place to be. This is just like I need I really need to start making decisions for myself. And that was hard. Like after so many years to relearn that or to learn it, maybe even like I've never thought about it before. And uh, it's same with kids, like they want things from you. And I just gave everything. I didn't think about like, does this meet my need in any way? I was like, no, she wanted to drink milk all night long until she was three years old. And I was like, this doesn't work for me. So the second one, he like at nine months, I was like, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to choose myself now. And that, that's really that transition from before the burnout and after, because I had my daughter before and my son after, actually during. Very, very big difference there in um, how I approach stuff. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And I mean, that's the the idea that this is your fault in some way, right? Rather than this is the system that has taught you <laughs> over the years, so many times through so many lessons, you will deliver, you will deliver, you will deliver. Yeah. And then for that system to say, you know what? you're not good enough for this. <laughs> you can't survive in in this world. And so you, you're the problem. You need to go and find something else to do. I mean, that's just, it's staggering. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. It's hard to think as well that now, like there's nobody who can teach me. Like, even if I ask around, nobody knows because everybody's in the same boat. And I, I just, I, last week I said to my daughters, I can't be an adult. I don't know how, how I am to be an adult. I don't know what this is. So yeah, I think I said that before. That's kind of where I look to you, uh, Jen. <laughs> you teach me to be an adult here. <laughs> yeah. Things like, how do you keep house and things like that? Like, I just never learned it. I just did what was expected of me. And now I'm to find out for myself. Like nobody tells me when to sweep the floor or when to do the dishes. Can I leave it for another day? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes. And as scary as it is that someone looks to me to be the adult. 
<laughs> it's funny when you mentioned it on our group call. So, okay. So, so you, you have two children. One of them is, uh, is in school at the moment and the other one is, is sort of heading in that direction, I think. And, and so I'm curious as to the kinds of things that you had been doing to support their learning, uh, up until we started working together. Yeah, so I um I, I I think I was always quite aware like that learning happens everywhere and I would see a lot of learning going on, but I think at the same time it's kind of hard to exactly bring it back, but at the same time I was uh, still sort of, of going with like all these things that well, the regular school curriculum I guess and all these academic subjects like I really tend towards um she was three I did, it was um when Ewan was just born the youngest and she was walking around there and it was that that we get a nurse for the first what was it 10 days or something to help you after a child is born yeah it's brilliant it's really good <laughs> well if you get the right one it's good mm-hmm. anyway she was walking around there and she, she comes up with two pillows and she runs into the room and she, she drops it on the ground and she screams gravity and then she ran off again and they were like she just really say that <laughs> but yeah she did <laughs> but it, it was like these things it, it does like those were the things that um I spent a lot of energy on and I was like she knew a lot about the body she knew photosynthesis which she like into a very deep but still she knew more about an average than an average child of three I guess but then there's a lot of other topics that I wouldn't really see as learning or like social topics I wouldn't do as like now I know as a learning exploration where we talk a bit more about it and, and really explore like oh what could this person think about it what could this person do what if you lived in a different situation and like just some perspective taking I wouldn't do it that much it was more the academic stuff that I um, focused on a lot but I always always had a big trust that she would learn what she had to learn at home but just like with being home I would be confident to just leave her home except I, I find it so hard to be home with the two kids all day long like it cost me too much energy the burnout phase as well I, ju- I just wouldn't be able to do it I, th- I like so much respect for parents who are home with their kids all day did it for two years it's uh this is better for me let's say <laughs> yeah <laughs> for me this is where my own needs yes absolutely and I wonder if that impacted your decision around homeschooling right because I, I think you are not considering homeschooling what was that decision process like was, was there even a decision process or was it you know they're going to go to school I guess I made up my mind about it but I know like regulations in the Netherlands make it extremely hard to do therefore there's very very little community. I know and know two families who homeschool or unschool actually. And I talk with them a lot. But if I see like how much they're struggling and they, they try to live in communities and like a, in sort of a like a communal living space with other families. But even that, like they have to move across the country to find a place where they could live in a in such a setting. And it, it's really hard. There's no groups where you can go to during the day because all the kids are in school. These, it's it's very different, I guess. So it was never really an option. And to a degree, I think I've never been brave enough to even have this discussion with most people in my family or my friends. They were just, what are you doing? And get so much critique. It's just not worth the energy almost. I feel like a coward in a way. But uh, then again, I know I would not be able to push it through anyway. It's, uh, it's too hard here in the Netherlands, I guess. Yeah. So then now I'm I'm really curious about, obviously, you look back on your school experience and you see that it sort of put you on the path to what ended up being a very difficult phase in your life. 
And obviously now your daughter's in school already. And do you talk with her about kind of the school system? They have these sort of macro level conversations. How do you not make sure, but sort of seed the idea that the way that you went through school, which by all accounts, you know, from the outside, you were fine, you did fine, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> was not absolutely. necessarily the best one for you. So how, how do you talk about that with her if you do? I do. I do talk about it with her. I did also explain my ADHD to her and how that helped me in school or not helped me in school, things like that, and just be open about it. I wouldn't be surprised if she has, well, I'm pretty sure she's in some way neurodivergent. It could be ADHD, autism, I don't know. We're going to get that sorted out as well. And and just what I see now, at least in schools, like I talked to this, um, not really a school counselor, but she called, they call them the, like the... I don't know, this lady who helps with learning difficulties yeah. uh, for the whole school. And I was talking to her and I was like, well, should I tell the teacher even about my diagnosis of ADHD? Because if she bounces around the class. She's going to get that label, like even just in, in the teacher's head, maybe. And she said, oh, yes, no, times have changed since we've been in school. Like times are very different here. Teachers help kids in school all day, every day. Every class has some kids that get their medication from the teachers. They're very, very helpful. We had some sensory integration therapy and this physiotherapist that does it, she goes into the class and she actually worked with the teacher and with my daughter there. And she got gave a lot of advice also for other kids. So I got a really good feeling there. Like we live in a very rural area. There's not a lot of choice here with schools. Like we basically have two choices and one is a very small school. The other one is a big school. They had a focus point of for gifted children. So it was like, okay, well, she's advanced for age. So, well, let's go with that school then because it's bigger and more chances of like getting the, the help that she needs and they're very good like they do a lot of uh, like different levels within one class and they, they really try to meet the kids needs but still it's like 32 kids in a class I just keep her if it's too overwhelming for her I just keep her home and I call in sick it's not sort of technically sick you don't have a bug but I told the teacher like do you want to know do you want me to be honest or should I just lie and say that she's sick she, well if you don't go out on the streets then yeah do be honest and we'll see how it goes and I did mention to the teacher as well, like that I was very sure that she would learn everything she needed if she wouldn't go to school and didn't really get the best response to that. Oh, but what about social stuff? And they need to learn all these social things. And I was like, yeah, and they learned that with all four-year-olds in the same class, sure. <laughs> I, I find that part. <laughs> but no, I had really, she is, she's a really good teacher and uh, very, very helpful in many ways. And I guess just being open about it helps a lot. Mm-hmm. And then to Isla, I tell her, I do kind of, I tell her about like, about how to work with the system that there is and how to play the game a bit. And if she says like, I really don't want to do these things, I try to look with her like, okay, what is it really that you have to do? Where can we sort of move around it or anything? But it's not that much because she gets a lot of playtime in school still and it's not that much she needs to do. It's more at, at home, like she didn't want to practice anything for her book reading in class. I was like, then don't, like, I don't care. You just do whatever you want to do. I was just curious. I wanted her to do it at home because I wanted to see what she would do. Like, I was curious what it was like, but not in a practicing way. So, sure, we'll see what happens. Like, we'll see what, yeah, what goes on. Yeah. And even that conversation of we don't have to do everything we're told, right? Mm, is a really profound shift, I think. Because when I was in school, it was, you know, if it's written in your homework journal, 
you're going to do it. There's no ifs, ands, or buts here. There's no decision-making. It's just, if it's written down, you're going to do it. And so to have this conversation around what happens if we don't do it, are we okay with those consequences? If we are, then (laughs) is there a real reason to do it if it's not meeting any other need of ours? I think is, I mean, that just, just that by itself is sort of, is going to help her to be aware of her needs in a way that you and I Mm -hmm. were not able to be aware of our needs when we were in school. Yeah, yeah. Nobody ever told told us about need, at least not me, about needs. Like I was having a conversation with her yesterday. I promise not to tell anybody, so I won't go into details. But she yeah. she told me about something that happened in the, the after school care. And I said, well, if I can find out, because I turned it into a game so she was comfortable enough to tell it. And I said, well, if we can figure out exactly what happens and we can look at okay what is this person's need that things happened with what is your need in that point and like what maybe has been going on we can find a solution that works for both needs and she's it's really like she really needs the help of a grown-up to go through that process but if you help her go through that she's like oh but maybe this person needs this and then she, she comes up with these solutions to things and i'm like wow I hope that her teacher realizes this approach because she discusses absolutely everything we had a report chat with the teacher today and she says she wants to know why she has to do every single thing that she has to do yes (laughs) not very handy socially but yes that's kind of like we need to find a balance but that's a good start because Mm -hmm. yeah very strong like it's our it's our nature in a way but still it's um (laughs) yeah it's very nice to see that, that she has that approach just hope that she finds a socially acceptable way to deal with that and that I guess that is the approach she was like she has to let go of that strong will that she wants something exactly that way mm, maybe she, she can express it in a different way but I'm still like I'm still open to have that discussion and the problem solving but yeah I need to find out how, how to manage that with the teacher I'm not too yeah. sure yet yeah and it'll come right as uh, you're negotiating this relationship with the teacher and and as your daughter is learning new ways of expressing things and also separating what is her actual need from what is the strategy that she or the teacher has chosen to meet their individual needs maybe if we can kind of get underneath the strategy that I'm you know I'm getting attached to and the strategy the teacher's getting attached to then we can find ways of meeting both of our needs I mean, that's that's profound learning. Yeah, most of the time where we really fight, it's like, I know what you're saying, that's not a need. That is what you want to do, but it's not the need that's behind it. But I really need to do build whatever. I want to do something that with like tiny parts that our brother just knocks over. But I need to do that. And I was like, that's not your need, sweetie. This is your need to be with us. Yeah. Okay. 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 Now we can, now we can work with this. <laughs> yeah. Or not, but at least like, you know, you can find a solution that might work. Yeah. Better. Yeah. So the teacher's worried about this social learning that's not happening when your child is missing days of school and your child is already starting to understand that people have needs underlying the strategies that you use to try and meet those needs and is starting to see how different people have different needs, use different strategies. I mean, see that me, that's, a thousand times more learning than she will get in a classroom of other four-year-olds <laughs> where nobody yeah. ever talks about that stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I've got to say like she does learn a lot in school. I'm I, I'm amazed at the things that she brings home and uh, and what she does there. Like it's, it's lovely to see, but she does, uh, they did this, uh, they do a lot of reading in school as well. And they practice reading there and today. Yeah. And she said, yeah, you're very advanced at reading it. Eh? Yeah. But I learned that at home. I didn't learn that in school this year. I was like, 
Oh gosh. So I, I'm pretty sure they did a lot of like reading type of stuff with her, mm-hmm. even though she's only like in, um, she's in, yeah, we call it group two, but it's like preschool mm-hmm. still. Yeah. And they're not supposed to read, but yeah. And she's, no, but I learned this at home. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. And of course, in the learning membership, we don't focus really on like getting your child to read, right? On getting your child to do math. And one of the the group coaching calls that I remember most is when you were talking through a learning exploration you were doing with your child related to puddles, right? And I think at the beginning, you kind of didn't necessarily see, you know, my kids are really interested in jumping in muddy puddles. Where do I go with this? (laughs) What was that process like for you before we talked through it? And then where did your kids ultimately end up going with it oh with the puddles um do you remember gosh yeah i do remember yeah they still love the muddy puddles i guess the most the the most important thing there is just like embrace what is there and just work with it and see like sometimes i don't explicitly see what's going on and it's not this academic stuff that they learn but it's more sort of getting a feeling for what happens in the world and like just the way that like when you jump in a puddle and there's all the ripples there it's not something that you can express in any way. And like, she's never going to tell me that that is what, what happened. But when I look at her from a distance, I, I see her like just putting her finger in over and over just to see what happens or just throwing something in and, and those type of things. Um, yeah, I, I guess that just seeing that learning happening just there and not just leaving it at that. That is a big shift for me. It's just like, I, I don't always take it further. I'm terrible with the documentation bit. I just hate writing everything down and I just never get around to it. That is like one of my biggest struggles still. I still have the feeling that they're learning so much from just letting it go and just letting it be and giving her some space. Sometimes I, I stop my husband and was like, no, let it go. Look, look what she's exploring right now. I said, oh yeah. Oh yeah. And he, he's starting to pick up on that as well. And just, just leave them. They're fine. They're fine now. He, she's just fi- figuring something out. That just that view is just gives so much peace as well. Peace of mind. Yeah. Yeah. What kinds of things has she been exploring lately? Oh, she's very obsessed with why one root is shorter than the other, like one sort of diagonal root is shorter than the root that goes around. Now, it's not necessarily faster because that's that's like a a dirt road and the other one is just asphalt. So it's it's not necessarily faster, but it's, yeah, it's, it's shorter and she just doesn't get it why it's shorter and she keeps asking. And I think it's related with um, like when we go uphill, why like roads zigzag up a hill and why you don't go straight up a hill or very similar fields, I guess. But the thing is, she's been asking this for about a year, maybe. And I keep forgetting. I just can't write it down. I can't get to a point. I'm like, we need to get a map I and mean, just put a string on and measure it. Something like that. It's, it's so easy. And I just keep forgetting. I just I feel so bad. And yeah, so that that is really my weakness still that I, I maybe that's the ADHD brain when she says something, I'm like, oh, yes, and I got to watch now that I can talk to and makes notes for me. And it's still I forget So that is. Um, but uh, still a lot of like learning is happening on the go. What other things that she loves? There's a lot with plants and like edible plants and like uh, what parts of a dandelion you could eat or yeah, things like that. She loves and we've been making uh, taking cuttings. Actually, and, didn't think about this before but these are all things that we've been doing lately and just looking at how like raspberries grow where they're like how it goes from the flower to the to the raspberry itself and yeah things like that there's a lot now and a lot of water play i think we were talking about like getting a new pool and it's like okay what what's in that pool and like with chlorine and chlorine bacteria has a lot um like the creatures in her tummy that she needs to feed every night 
we've been drawing them. Oh, that's actually learning exploration as well. I didn't, I don't do these things consciously anymore. They just happened. They mm-hmm. just sort of we made these drawings of the creatures in our tummy and, and we talked to the creatures in their tummy and they want different foods at different times and they, they're really starting to come to life. And like this creature that she takes care of and she loves that. So like, uh, yeah, it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's lovely is it's so informal, right? It's so it's organic. You know, it's yeah. just, we, we, she's, there are raspberries and they're blooming now. And, <laughs> and so we're interested in that and how that process transforms from a flower into a raspberry. I mean, it's deeply grounded in her day-to-day experience, right? This is not you reading books about things that are happening in far-off rainforests or places that she has no concept of what they're actually like. This is, I'm observing closely what is happening in my immediate environment physically in my body and as well you know when you're talking about needs in my relationships with other people and exploring those what is my role in those what is my place there what can I observe about the transition that I'm seeing Uh, and that is such a a a deep profound learning and understanding to have uh, even though it's you know completely unrelated to a, a random list of facts that she might just as well easily be able to memorize yeah yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I didn't, before you, you you asked me, like, what type of things have you been doing recently? And it was, oh, yeah, we did that steam uh, a steam engine that we built. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Oh, yeah, and I could remember all the pictures that we took for the learning journal. That was, like, one month that I managed. <laughs> she did tell me, well, is, is that Jen of the learning journal? So, yeah, will you say thank you to her that we could do that that time? We can still do that, you know. Oh, can we really? Is that not finished yet? I was like, oh, no. <laughs> yes, we can still do the documentation, but that was not the point of what I'm doing. <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. It's, it's just a very natural now. So, yeah, her thank you there. Yes. <laughs> it, 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 everything just happens now. It's, yeah, we don't do a form, any formal things. I might say sometimes, like, should we do a learning exploration about it? And then nothing happens. I think something happens. But I, yeah, I just don't realize it so much. Yeah. And that's okay. Right. And different parents will bring different abilities, different desires to engage with this in, in different ways. I would say the number of people who document is, is probably lower than the number of people who don't document. And that's totally fine. I think one of the strengths of documentation is firstly, it, it records for your child to come back and be able to say, yeah, we did this thing. And, oh yeah, I believe that. And I, I know that's not true anymore. <laughs> and then it can also give the parent a lot of confidence to look back in six months and say, oh yeah, now if I was doing it, I would do it this way. And I know that my child mm. would be able to explore this other thing because I helped to set that process up. And so it helps you to track your learning, but it's in no way required. <laughs> you and your child are still firstly engaging in deep learning and secondly, deepening your relationship and your connection with each other, whether or not that documentation is taking place. So yeah, if, if that can lift some of the guilt that I am sensing is there. <laughs> I've accepted it by now that that documentation is just not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and that's totally fine. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Is there any any place that you've just felt stuck in relation to supporting your child's learning? And how did you get unstuck? Yes, I well, stuck, frustrated, more like at the beginning, I was like, but we're, we're not really done yet. We didn't get to the conclusion of what you're supposed to learn from this. I was like, the whole, well, the whole chapter that is in that book in school, we didn't get to the end of the chapter yet. And that was so frustrating. And then she went on to something else. I was like, should we finish this tomorrow then? 
no, it's good. It's good, mom. I'm, I'm done. And then I just started to explain like kind of the conclusion. I think this was about like a, this exploration about being a scientist, which is like a kind of a trap. We talked about that as well. Like me knowing exactly to what point you're going to get uh, if you did the whole like scientific cycle. And later, I, I don't know where it came from, but it was one of the first modules somewhere was about like that you don't need to finish everything. And that, that was that that was something that you learned from school. And I was like, what? wait, what? But like my life was upside down and you don't have to finish. You know, you mean I can just throw away like this puzzle book and I, I there's like three puzzles that I didn't do yet, but I don't want to do. I don't actually have to like put it in the toilet so that every day I can just do at least one word so I can throw the thing away. And I was just, what, what am I doing? <laughs> when I realized that, I was like, what I've been doing all my life? <laughs> that was, um, I don't know. I, I don't know. I didn't do anything to get unstuck. It just sort of, happened and I saw a lot of things that happened in my life where it was like yeah that was so profound and then there was one other thing no I, I managed to pull that work in the system um and like playing the game to other areas as well and and just sort of one of the favorite sayings of my husband if you can't do it as you're supposed to do it then just do it the way you can do it now that works out really well in Dutch but it's just sort of just do whatever way you can do it like if it, if it works, it works. Very pragmatic, I suppose. And yeah, that just helped me so much to, to look beyond, okay, th- like these are the things that we're doing. If I want to make it work, but I can't do all these things, like ADHD brain, you can't do half of the things you want to do. If you can find a system to make it work, and if, if that works for you, who cares what other people do or what other people expect of you? And that that's changed a lot of, um, I just can't think of a very explicit place where I changed things but I guess I guess in work as well like just that shift that I uh, that change that I made in, in my job I'm going to totally different like I'm doing a totally different job now but I'm I'm still like it works for me who cares I did an academic education who cares and like yeah I don't use that PhD stuff in, in a way but I I'm enjoying myself life works yeah that PhD stuff <laughs> <laughs> Yes. And and what you're saying is you're essentially learning as an adult how to not believe everything you learned in school. And that, yes, we learn some valuable things in school. And also when we think we must finish something, there is there is no <laughs> alternative other than to finish something and to do it in the way that you've been told to do it. <laughs> that sets us up for this huge cognitive dissonance as we go through life with, you know, puzzle books not getting finished. <laughs> and that being a tiny example of, of things throughout our lives that don't get finished. What if mm. there's no need to finish the puzzle book? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. I just put, I threw so many books away that I never finished. Well, or I, like I gave them away and say, I'm not going to finish them. Give them to somebody else. There's no point in, in like keeping them if I don't want to finish them in the first place. Just because I bought them, it doesn't mean I need to finish it. That's like, I wouldn't say it was, I realized that I was stuck, but these things have really helped me to ease everything in life basically like that that moves on to like even to housework or jobs that I do or had this um this coaching training last weekend and I was for the first time I was at home doing it virtually and one thing I'm going to learn today is how to be at home with 
like two kids and a husband getting into fights all day. I can hear them through the floor. We've wooden floors. I'm going to hear them. One thing I'm going to learn today, if it's not the exact contents of what we're learning today, is that how to deal with that. And just accepting that, that, that I'm not learning every single bullet point in that, that guide that we're using. Wow, that was so good. <laughs> but, yeah. Makes life so much easier. Yes. Yeah, for sure. So I'm wondering now how you feel about your role in your child's learning and your ability to support their learning. Yeah, I um, I guess a lot more relaxed, a lot more free and just letting things happen and giving her a lot more space to just to make mistakes as well, to just sometimes just, just let her totally fail. And that's a lot more learning, like that steam engine. Now, that was a, a bit of a like more formal learning exploration where I really like I said okay let's do a learning exploration it was fantastic but the, all the glue melted I could have known it was hot glue hot glue gun doesn't like it melts before 100 degrees so the whole thing like literally the whole thing fell apart uh, when we put a candle under it but that was brilliant because we like the fact that that glue where the glue melts that stuck with me so much more than the fact that if it would have worked and that, that little mill that we made would have spun and then yeah okay next this we really learned a lot more. So just to be a bit more relaxed with failure and, and seeing what you can learn from that to myself, but also to the kids. Like now it seems as if everything's going great. That's not like that. Like sometimes I get just so frustrated after like the 10th time and she still doesn't get it. But it, <laughs> and this by, I'm by no means a perfect parent at all or even a great parent, but I'm just, yeah, a lot more confident and relaxed about even though I was sure she was going to learn everything, this was more like she's going to learn what she wants to learn and what she needs to learn. She's not going to learn everything. She's going to learn what she needs to learn. And I think that is the biggest shift that I made personally in my mind. Even though she's going to, school's going to push a lot of like things that she has to learn on her still. She's going to learn a lot of other things that are going to get her so much further in life. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of perspective, t- like taking things... Um, Oh gosh, I can't read the Enid Blyton books anymore in the same way after you said like oh, <laughs> the, the white supremacy in there. And I, I spoke to her about it as well. It's like, did you notice that the bad guy is is like usually not like a normal person like we look? And we talked a bit about like kids in our class, like we live very rurally, so there's very few kids that look very different and we talked a bit about that and it's just like you see it showing up everywhere and I, I could take it to work as well and then like I might mention things this morning we were talking about buying land and how could you how could you just buy that from other earth that just didn't just still doesn't work in my brain and like I would never have talked about those things with my four-year-old I would have talked about like well maybe mortgages or with it I don't know like these formal things that you yeah think of numbers exact or more exact things so, um, yeah, it's been very um, different approach and helping her with all those things. Like, uh, hopefully at some point she's going to feel OK to be an adult. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, what I hear is your values are coming out, right? It's not just facts. Yeah. It's what's important to me. How do I view the world? What ideas do I think are really important and that you're now having conversations about those? Yeah. I should not never thought about it that way, but I think you're right. If it would be a steam engine, we could talk a bit more about like, okay, what's why did we even make a steam engine and why do we need to use these things and why do we need to produce more? And the story would go in a different direction than the technical details that it would have gone to over and over, I think. Yeah, more about, yeah, my person. I get very frustrated with the world and as in and like sustainability uh, point of view. I'm like, how are we to do this as this one little family? How would like I try 
not to let her have her waste water, but still she needs to learn certain things here and there as well. And, and finding that balance, I definitely still struggle with, but it, it's more about like what I find important to do rather than yeah, facts and figures. Yeah. Yeah. If you could leave parents with a piece of advice when they're thinking about supporting their children's learning and they're not really sure what to do, how to approach it, what would you tell parents to do? Have that faith in that your child will get there. Just that, that peace and calm. I hope like it, it, I really needed those insights to get to that point. But if I could just send it to other parents, I would love to. I don't know how, but I would love to send it to them that they have that faith and that confidence that their child is going to learn what they need to learn for themselves. And maybe not to be a fantastic adult, but to be happy in life and to be good with other people and sort of, yeah, to, to be a a good citizen, citizen of the world, I guess, whatever that means to everybody. But that, that, that relaxedness about how, how things are going to go, it's going to be okay. And just enjoy how your child is that little scientist and, and play along. Cause I, I had so much fun with some of these things that we did, like, um, yeah, you just go along with it. Yeah. Enjoy it if you can. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing so much about your experience. It's so lovely to kind of close the loop with you, as it were. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Back around and, and see you in a very different place in life. So thanks so much for being here. It was great to see you again. Very welcome. Thank you too. Hi, this is Jess from Rural East Panama. I'm a Your Parenting Mojo fan, and I hope you enjoy this show as much as I do. If you found this episode especially enlightening or useful, you can also donate to help Jen produce more content like this and also save us from those interminable mattress ads. Then you can do that and also subscribe on the link that Jen just mentioned. And don't forget to head to yourparentingmojo.com to record your own message for the show. 